Hi friends, I'm here. Before we begin, I want to talk a little bit about the preview for next week's episode. Uh, we don't do predictions because Jackson doesn't watch the previews. Uh, and if you don't want to hear about the preview, maybe you didn't listen. Um, skip ahead to hear music, I guess. Just, you know, hit that 15 second button. Um, they show Spock. Absolutely, that is a fake Spock that is in Burnham's mind. I will bet you $5. Not to everyone and not for real. Don't ask me for money. I'm broke. But... A guarantee that's not real Spock. This is them teasing us once again. We will still not see real Spock. This is like a mind vision or a memory or a vision, something. Uh, that's my guess. So we'll see next week and uh, I'll talk about that segment, this segment. Uh, so enjoy the episode. Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remember that old saying, power corrupts. Welcome to Second Officer Slog, episode 44. I'm your host, Evan, with me is my number one, Jackson. Hello. I think we should uh, keep the Prime Directive on this one. <laughs> the Prime Directive cannot be um, broken, as we all know. Uh, how does this apply to a podcast? Because it's a fucking can episode just, where everyone's sitting we just around. Not, can we just uh, not... Sh- can, can people who don't watch Star Trek listen? I guess maybe that's the... that's the. Not, I mean, I always suggest if you don't watch Star Trek, you should listen to this podcast. We're starting this podcast again. We're starting this podcast again. The bit went to... The bit landed too badly. No, absolutely not. This is what we got. <laughs> we have nothing else. I was like, oh, they do bad Prime Directive monologues in this episode. Like, oh, no, I fucked... Oh, I'm just gonna, just gonna keep fucking it up harder. Excuse and then you're just gonna me, stand there. I think you'll find they do a bad General Order 1 monologues in this That's episode. That's true. Which makes them even funnier. Yes. Uh, but thank you for just standing there as I flailed miserably. <laughs> no, it's fine. I will stand tall. I'm the captain of this ship. Yeah, no. God. Uh, welcome, everyone, to Star Trek. We're going to talk about the episode. We don't have any other Star Trek things, so... Yeah, well, I'm just going to... This episode is called The Sounds of Thunder. It is the sixth episode of Discovery Season 2. It aired the 21st of February, 2019. It was written by Bo Young Kim and Erica Lippold. It was directed by Douglas Arnian... Arniakoski? Yes. It, again, takes place in 2257, though there are flashbacks to 2239. There are. You know, it's the stuff that was in the short track. Thank God we got that short track so we could have all the space we needed to tell the complex story of this episode. <laughs> Jackson, what happens in The Sounds of Thunder? In The Sounds of Thunder, uh, it begins... I don't remember the exact beginning scene. Oh, right! It begins with Sarah, Saru giving a ludicrously over-the-top monologue this time. Uh, after Saru's last day. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, and then we get the uh, mandatory check-in scene with now with Ash as the second thirty-one mouthpiece, um, saying things that I know he doesn't believe, <laughs> but yes. someone has to voice those opinions in the scene uh, as they have their check-in on where the plot is at. <laughs> yeah. Because um, the entire plot is really just seeing. You, someone needs to, when the season is done, edit the first and last scenes of all the episodes to like just these Red Angel briefing scenes together. <laughs> Oh, it'd be see how coherently it plays. Nothing happens. Nothing happens in them. Uh, and it is interrupted by the plot, which is a new, uh, a new red light has formed, and it is, of course, above the world of Camino, um, where Jedi Master Sifo Dias was last seen. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's that's what they're going to do. Uh, I mean, if actual guess... actual Camino shows up like two thirds late this episode, they lost true. my mind. That's they do. <laughs> right, they do actually make real. So we go to Kamino, which is in uh, the home planet of the Kelpians and the Bool. Uh, the Bool. And how do you pronounce Bool? I just Bool. Not Bool. That's Gundam. Uh, I was gonna say like I, I fucked it up. Yeah, but it's because it's got the U apostrophe U. Um, uh, the Kelpians are obviously Saru, and the Bau are the predator race uh, that uh, don't really do much predatoring, but do uh, lead the um, Kelpians to religious slaughter every day. Uh, and that's the great balance, and it's obviously fake and bullshit, and we're going to find out how in this episode. Make your predictions now. What kind of fake and bullshit societal order is going on here? Will you I'm be able to guess? I'm pretty sure that everyone has seen the episode. I staked my claim months ago that and was the... Wrong. That the Kelpians were being beamed away to be labor, and yes, that was wrong. Yep, I also. I also, my... I also thought that the Kelpians and the Bool were the same species. Again, I was wrong. Yep, these are the things that I was. I was going towards that way. They don't go that way with it. They go a different way with it. They, um, they definitely find a different path. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, as they get there, they get to the um. Red Angel. You forgot. You forgot the actual opening of this episode, which is Saru getting checked out uh, in the same oh, room yes, as Doctor Colbert. Right, I was going to like, Dr. Culver's fine, other than he's, like, really freaked out that he's back from the dead, and Saru, it seems like you're growing weird teeth in your skull? I don't know. We'll look at, we'll look into it. Also, you don't have fear anymore, and he's like, yeah, no, I knew that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's that's the going on there. We'll, we'll mention the Culver stuff after we're done with the main plot, I think, because there's yeah. only a little, only a couple scenes. Yep, there's nothing yeah. there. <laughs> Literally nothing, but uh, it's all Camino all the time. Yeah. Uh so they're um first of all they're like okay there's a red angel that's appeared here we need to find out why they're usually directing us to things uh so i guess we've got to beam down to kamina even though that uh violates general order one and then they all stand around and go no it doesn't they literally are executed every day by a warp capable race i think we're fine um and then all have a debate about that eventually sarah's like uh, i'm gonna go and do this i'm you can't you know uh pike's all I don't think we should send Saru because obviously uh, he's he's emotionally compromised this mission. And Saru's like, no, I am not. I will prove that I am not emotionally compromised. I'm not going to randomly, arbitrarily decide to change the entire culture of my people. That would be stupid. That's only for the third and fourth acts of episodes, not for the first or second act. Because um, uh, yeah. he's also it looks before. like he's about to kick Pike in the chest with his giant hoof foot. Which yeah, is, no, he doesn't uh, have fear anymore. <laughs> Yeah, no. I remember that uh, time he didn't have fear and almost tried to kill Michael Barnum? <laughs> yeah, no, they forget that they literally showed what a nightmare scenario that would be. <laughs> yeah, they it's not been mentioned again. <laughs> no, it sure hasn't. Uh, so uh, he and Michael beam down to the planet, um, kind of uh, just just looking, looking around. Uh, Pike does a really stupid thing here, which is he's like, okay, we have to send Saru because he's a Kelpian, so no, he won't cause a disturbance, but you should go back to the village that you left where everyone yes. will recognize you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like... I understand why for the plot this is, but your your logic is there's no logic there. That's just that is no. brain dead stupid, Pike. Yes. Um, <laughs> I so did laugh when he was like, "Definitely go back to your village." I was like, "Wait, why would you do that?" <laughs> Didn't you just say he needs to not cause disturbance, and you're sending him because you don't want to send someone who's not like who's been off world? Just send yeah. him to a different village and. Anyway, uh, and obviously he immediately, and I mean the first of uh, Calbion he sees uh, is his sister. Who is like, now the priestess of the village. Yeah, she's now the priest. Um, they talk about what's going on and uh, have a bit of a... Obviously, they have their heartfelt reunion and then they go into the next scene and then she yells at him a lot because he just left everyone to keep getting killed. Which, yeah, fair enough. Um, yep. 
and then, and then is like, I need information on a thing, and then we're gonna leave again. <laughs> and, she, <laughs> and she's like, Man, your stuff lead sucks a lot. Yeah, get uh, out. I'm not gonna give you any information. Get the hell out of my house. Yeah, she's like, Get out. As the uh, obviously, the bow have noticed two random people beaming into their area. Um, and they're coming to attack, and so they just beam away. <laughs> uh, yep. As <laughs> as like Steven Spielberg War of the Worlds, like horns and lights are happening. Yeah, leaving this village to get eradicated. I don't think it does, but like, there's no, no way they could have known it wasn't about to be immediately eradicated. They beam no, away. They sure beam the hell out of there. <laughs> uh, they sure do. Light touch uh, can't violate General Order One. <laughs> yep. Uh, the battle will start talking to this, uh, to the Discovery, uh, being like, "You have something of ours. We must get it back." Uh, and they are talking about Saru. Uh, and they're like, "If you do not give Saru back, uh, we will uh, attack your ship." And they're like, "Well, that's a dumb idea." And then they're like, "You're right. If you do not give Saru back, we will kill everyone on the planet instead. We'll kill the village. How about that? That's a much better plan." We suddenly learned how negotiating works. Uh, uh, and Saru is like starts yelling at them, and they're like, they, "You do not even know what you are." Uh, need to know this entire scene is taking place on the most jj abrams dutch angles possible oh constantly camera camera is just ludicrously going uh they're audio only on the voice screen which means they've got like their own font treatment uh and their own like waveform that is oh yeah no they cut they cut away to a waveform every time the balloon talk Because this episode is stupid. Uh, also, according to my partner, the Bool are incredibly hard to understand, uh, so they probably should have subtitled it. They are. I couldn't understand a fucking thing they were saying. It's like uh, yeah, I, I didn't have a problem again. with that, but I'm pretty good at this stuff. So I mean, I I, I picked it all up, but I had to like really, you know, uh, pay attention. Uh, and it was all bad dialogue. Uh, so they're about to get into a fight and you know Pike's like we will not surrender our, our people he is our people this is why we do this remember last time when I gave a really bad monologue well not gonna do that again but just sort of think back to it <laughs> that's why we do this um, uh, Saru obviously immediately just goes to the transporter room and beams to the bullship um, what's actually not made clear where he beams they, they seem to imply that they just locked onto his transporter beam no he beams down to the planet again and then the Ba'ul pick him and his sister up um, because yeah, they go searching for his thing and they find him on the planet as the like bubble ships are like rocketing back towards the planet because they leave the discovery. Oh right, right. And then they the lose planet, the signal because right. he's been beamed away. Yes, yes. Uh, the, the that scene was unclear. I couldn't tell if they were talking about the literal Saru or if they were talking about his like transport signal. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so so Saru is on. <laughs> A very obvious redress of the transporter room. Yes. It's uh, almost as if he never left. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was just in that set. Yes. And it was already all dark and ominous in that set. Yes. And he could have redressed any other set. Should have redressed the no. quarters first. Redressing the set he was literally on the last time we saw him is maybe one of the most obvious redresses Star Trek has ever done. <laughs> it's very funny. It's very funny. Um, so now the episode proceeds to, to go ahead with him. Um, Two perspectives, half on the discoveries that I like, well, You know what, I bet it? it's a redress of the other, tra- the, um... Nope. The Shenzo transporter room. It's, I, I, I... They're already the same set. Um, uh, no, they're two different sets. I'm pretty sure they have two transporter room sets. Okay. Um, if it is a redress of the other one, then I... Like, so I was thinking that during the episode, and then when it cut back to the real transporter room, I saw all the struts there in the same place yeah. the struts are. Yeah, I, was I like, don't know. No, those are the same struts. Those are identical struts. And the other one had a big, had big, um, you know, yep. uh, turbines. Anyway, uh, but we'll wait a bit before getting real into the minutiae of bullshit. Yes. <laughs> um, 
so uh, the Baul appear in front of uh, Saru. A Baul um, appears uh, in front of Saru because they've been doing the. They've been communicating entirely through robots and machines forever. Uh, and they they're little, They have little <laughs> destiny drones that fly in. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> They also have concept art for Destiny Three. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you're expecting, oh, it's gonna be, it's, it's just gonna be Kelpians, right? Like I was convinced that this was the only way it could go. There's no other reason they would just be robots. Uh, but eventually, they, um, like, the middle of the room becomes a weird goop, and an alien-looking thing, like a big black alien covered in oil, arises from the water. Uh, and then it opens its eyes and they're like glowing red as it starts to do some like rah, rah, talking. And also it has like a fish fin on its back. Yes. It's like a weird water monster. It looks like it looks like a tar skeleton, but like a fish man skeleton. And the I will not forget this cut because they're like as it opens its glowing red eye, it like says something and the camera just like zooms in on it as it also whoosh cuts to the back to the discovery. <laughs> Yes. Uh, it's a very stupid cut. Um, There's a lot of extremely uh, iRobot camera moves in this episode. Yes, yes! I was like, well, what's the best cool? But no, there is some iRobot shit going all the way through this episode. Yeah. Uh, they restrain Saru. Uh, they later restrain um, Serana. Uh, but <laughs> I'm glad you knew, because I would never clue. <laughs> Why? Lady Saru. <laughs> okay, yes, Lady Saru. Fair enough. Um, but then they give them monologue about, you do not know what you are. You you must be restrained. You are dangerous. We're, we are not going to let you become, like, we're not going to let you reveal the truth that your whole fear thing is fake and you can pass through it and become strong and lose your fear. That's that's bad. We're not never going to allow that to happen. Meanwhile, on the ship, uh, Tilly and, uh, what's the robot? No, not the robot. Arium. She's Arium. Right. She's not actually a robot. <laughs> Uh, no, though, cybernetic. we'll come back to this. Yes, we will come back to this because <laughs> questions are raised there. Not deliberately, but they are raised. No. Uh, uh, they realize what has happened by plugging in data from the cube into their own calculator. The best a way sphere. to solve It is stuff. not a cube. It is literally oh, a sphere. The sphere. Right, the sphere, <laughs> not the cube. Um, they plug in the data they got last episode into, into their new algorithm to work out what happened on the planet, and they have the entire history, because they've been doing periodic scans um, of Kaminar, and they have the whole history right there. And they're like, 2,000 years ago, uh, the, there were three like species. There was the Kalpians, there was the evolved Kalpians who had passed the Vahara, uh, and then there was the Baul, and they were kind of in equilibrium. Uh, and then more Kelpians evolved, and then the evolved Kelpians almost wiped out the Baul. And then suddenly, overnight, the Baul became uh, like completely wiped out the evolved Kelpians, and then the status quo we have today was enacted. Um, the oppressors have become the oppressed. Dun 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 dun. Uh, that's the big twist. The big twist is fucking Attack on Titan is the big twist. Uh, I I thought this was really stupid. You thought this was really funny. We'll wrap <laughs> back around, but that's that's yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute. Anyway, that's the big twist. Um, because of how strong and cool he is now, Saru breaks out of his restraints, uh, shoots the uh Baul with his uh neck teeth that they seeded earlier in the episode. 
uh, save Serana. They kind of stand around for a bit, not knowing what to do. Um, uh, this is as the Baul ship reveals itself by rising out of the ocean. Yes. In so the Baul ship, City Bay. The Baul ship in the middle of the night in Kamenar City Bay rises out of the ocean. There's water flying everywhere. Like there's lightning storms going off because of all the they're turning all the pylons around the well because they're like, I fuck it. Uh, and Obi Wan just- Kenobi is chasing Slave <laughs> One. <laughs> Because the plot at this point is the um, Baula, yo, I guess there's nothing we can do. Time to kill all the all the Kelpians of Kamina, cut our losses. That's it. We just we just activate the guns we had, and yep. then we win. Uh, and Discovery's like, oh, we have to fire on them, and it'll cause a war, but we're gonna do it. Yep. Uh, and then they're like, oh, we can't. We won't be able to get to them in time. We won't be able to kill all the you know the pylons in time. They'll have killed too many. Uh, and then, as if out of nowhere. Who Master could appear? Sifo Dias. But, <laughs> uh, there's um, the ca- the Kaminar race with the really long neck. <laughs> well, the Camino race, I guess. Anyway, there's an entire army of New Zealand clones appear from nowhere, <laughs> and they save the Kelpians. No, that's not what happens. Instead, uh, the Mass Effect concept art is real as the Red Angel appears, and because Saru has super Saru vision, he can, like, see it when everyone else was like, oh, it's a blurry shape, and he's like, no, this is definitely a person in a cyber suit with mechanical wings. The video game is real, Jackson, <laughs> is what I'm saying. I thought it was going to go in a more actively spiritual direction. No, it's a cyber suit. <laughs> I don't know if this is something that actually really bodes poorly for the future of Discovery. But this was... The, oh, other, the, the thing, original the thing that actually it. happens before this that I don't think you mentioned. Oh, you no, know, uh, I did. I did. I already realized I forgot to say the part where he yes, activated the. Is that after he Saru's super strength destroys all of the drones? He then like like ad hocs together a like broadcasting device that will broadcast a signal that the sphere sent him to activate everyone's what's this thing called? Vahara. What's it called? Uh, yes, that thing. Um, to everyone across the planet using the watchful eye towers. And so he does. Everyone gets their evolution happening. Everyone's a Charmeleon now instantly. Um, but they all have to writhe on the ground a while first. Yes, but for far less time than Saru did, because they, like, <laughs> jumpstart it. <laughs> yes. Um, so he just, like, says, and we're all going to be evolved now. We're all going to be too strong to be oppressed. When everyone's um, evolved, no one is. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and then... The Baola obviously like, but now they're evolved, they can oppress us again. And then uh, Discovery's like, yeah, you spent a lot of time inventing guns, so I don't think that's going to happen. Um. And you'll just have to learn to deal with your fear, and the Kelpians, uh, who now are just people, will have to learn compassion and not eat all of the fish oily men. I'm going to bash my head on the desk until it breaks. Um, and then there's a scene in the, so the red angel appears and does like its AOE effect ground pound. <laughs> yes. It effect it activates its alt as it lands yes. in and basically deactivates all the, um, all the pylons. So no one is killed. Um, yep. and everyone on the discovery is like this, this, this technology is beyond us. It should be impossible. Mm-hmm. It's it's in a it's in a time traveling. The, the words time manipulation are referenced. Like uh, at, the at the beginning, because they're tracking down one of the red pulses, they're like, "This could be." Because now that they know they're tachyons, or whatever, it's like it could be a time incursion. We could be dealing with someone who is moving back and forth through time. Time incursion. That's it. Time incursion. Yes. 
Uh, how could I forget such incredible phrasing? <laughs> Fucking Star Trek Iron Man shows up at any time in space and does an alt and then disappears again. <laughs> yeah, so the thing I was saying earlier is I didn't... Like, this is now we are fully into post the original writer's... This is uh, Kurtzman run Discovery. All of the overtones from Brother are gone. It's a man in a big suit. <laughs> yep. Um, and I'm sure that we'll get some good stuff like back in that direction. But I, I don't know. I feel like the Fuller has the Fuller influence has completely left the building. There is no weird spiritual stuff anymore. So there's like t- two more major scenes before we get to the Stamets thing, which I'll let you cover. Yes. So, uh, ever. Uh, Saru and his sister like are on the beach as everyone walks up holding their threat ganglia that have fallen out uh, <laughs> because they didn't know what to do with them. They just like held them like scrambled eggs in their hands. Uh, I was like, they should just eat them right here. Uh, that would be gross and cool. Uh, and then um, Pike gives uh, Ash Tyler a pad that has all the information about the Red Angel on it. He's like, Saru could see the thing. And... Uh, Ash Tyler's like, this is the most terrifying thing it could be. It's a cyber suit. Uh, and what happens if it turns its technology on us? And then Pike's like, I think you're paranoid. Um, which I don't understand as it literally transported an entire colony 200 years ago uh, to another planet. It has technology. It has the ability to meddle in affairs. I feel like Pike should be a little more suspicious of this thing in particular. Yep. Uh, but also, Ash Tyler is very much being a super cop Section 31 person right now. It's so. very funny because um, at the start of the series, right, Pike is uh, framed deliberately as cop mouthpiece. He is a Starfleet guy. He follows the book. Uh, yeah. Ash Tyler is the like, bridge between the humanity and Klingons and yes. is past all this bullshit. His Section 31 thing will come back around in some way later. Um I assume we were right about our like guesses, but whether that I know I'm yes, worried. This episode this... writes it as if he's like a true believer in Section yeah. 31, which is ludicrous. Ludicrous. If that's actually what they're going with with the I don't know if the stuff changed on the writing team as like the disruption happened, um, but please don't do that. I know that's not who Ash Tyler is. These characters should be reversed. Yeah, and then um, he looks at Pike and is like, "Oh, the war took a toll on all of us who had to fight it." And I was like, my dude, you spent most of it being turned into a human in a jail cell. <laughs> yeah, you did do that. You were, you were like, I guess but... technically you were there for more of the war than Pike was, but my, you did not have a Michael Burnham experience. <laughs> no. No. I mean, he was in the, he was in the Klingon camp for a while. Yeah. But... No, his his experience is not like if you go and ask anyone else on Discovery, they are going to have a much different story about the war than Ash Tyler of all people. Yeah, it's a it's a weird scene, but that's um that's the episode. No, there's still the stuff you have to cover about Culver. I know, I I had not forgotten that. That it's, okay. I'm just gonna now back around and be like, and the only subplots you uh, saying then that's the episode is always when I get to start talking about oh. the themes and bullshit, which is what I want to do the most. Okay, Jackson. well before just hang on about two minutes, uh, okay. less than that even. So Culver's back and he's like, it's weird that I'm back, and Stamets is all of a sudden, which I think is kind of out of character for Stamets, but we'll get there. Uh, weirdly. Just, oh, you're back, it's great, everything, go back to normal, isn't it good that you're back? Isn't it really good that you're back and not dead anymore? I think it's great that you're back and not dead. Uh, uh, and yeah. Kulba is, like, just spacing out the whole time and is not the same, everything's different and wrong, uh, this is never resolved, we really just have the one big scene between the two of them in the sick bay. Uh, uh, because while his memories are all intact, he was just regrown from his DNA, so he just has all of his, like, freshly made parts, but as a middle-aged person. Yeah, and they're like, your scars are all gone. Yep. 
this is technically a new body for reasons. Yeah. Well, because they yes. had to grow it. The Marcella Network grew it for him. They did. They did at that. Yes. Uh, but he's uh, he's back, and things freaked are out. weird. Freaked yeah. out about it. <laughs> freaked out about it. Uh, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And that now that is truly the episode. Yeah. So do you think? Uh, do you think that Stamets and Colbert will ever do anything that isn't Stamets reminding us that they once went on dates? <laughs> no, I don't think that'll ever happen. Or relay experiences that happen to them, because he literally does this every scene about every the two t- of them. Every scene. Every single time they ever have an emotional scene, that is the yeah. device they use. He literally gives a big speech about how Colbert like, broke his shoulder once, and that's how he wanted to become a doctor. <laughs> but then last time he gave a speech about why he loves opera. Yeah. No, last time was the speech where he dragged him through the museum, and that's how he knew that they were in love. Oh, right, okay. And then there was the other speech about them going to the opera, and because yes. they sat next to each other, because that's how they met, because that was on the... Uh... Yeah. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> this place is every time is the only trick in the book they have. Yeah. They um, should go on a new date. I just <laughs> want to see them go on a new date. Remember when uh, Stamets and Burnham danced in the corridor? I need that, but Colbert and Stamets. Yeah. I mean, he he told her about the date they were on when they did that dance. That's true. <laughs> that is what That's he was still doing one of these scenes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't. Do you think there's anything here? Or is he just going to slowly reintegrate? Is that all? I feel like so. My partner was like, Ash Tyler should go talk to him. They're, they should have a conversation. It's weird that they have not yet. Uh, she's. I mean, they can't for plot reasons, but yeah. Yeah. Like. He, um. Um, Do you think he remembers being killed? I guess he probably does. Probably. Yeah, who can say? I, that's a bigger metaphysical question than Star Trek Discovery is here to answer. Uh, he absolutely me- 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 eh, He will absolutely remember being killed. Okay. Because the way they make it sound like the device of this is that not whatever you know this isn't how bodies work but like he was basically about to die but then got transported to the mycelial network rather than he died and then ended up in the mycelial network and then thought he was dead for like six months yeah uh god bad time for him yes his Uh, katra was sent to live with the mushrooms (laughs) my assumption is that this means that like stamets and kalber are not going to stay together um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, who can say? But who can Go say? Anywhere. Um, I, I think him coming back and feeling weird about it is like interesting. I would like to have seen these scenes better because I like Stamets a lot. Um, no, we had to do the Kaminar stuff. We had no time, Jackson. There's just no uh, time. There's no time. We had to do a really, really, really terrible episode of Star Trek. So uh, Arium is not Data, and yet. No. She can do all the data things that they need her to do, which is look at 7,000 windows. Also, there's no L cars. There's just windows on the Discovery computer. Just a thousand tiny windows, uh, which is very funny because they're on the screen that you can read both ways, but they're text windows, so you can't actually read them from the other side. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is always a very funny effect when they rotate around the text window, but first show you the text reversed. Yeah, it's like, oh, this cool 3D screen where you can you can stand on the other side and view it because it's just a hollow projection, but it's all text, so you can't read it from the other side. It just allows you to see it if you want to. It's one of those things, like the Minority Report thing, where the um, UI looks very cool, but like you think about how it would work in the world for two seconds, you're like, no one would do that. No one's going to use their fucking connect. Yeah. 
Uh, but she can crunch through information really fast to the point where Tilly's like, uh, me and Arium are doing, oh, I guess Arium's just doing it. I'm just standing here looking <laughs> that, cute that, with my ponytail. That scene's pretty good. Yes. Because uh, Tilly's good. Yep. Uh, but no, she has been uh, bashed. Uh, yeah, that's Given fair. the arbitrary, we need someone to do data things. Does, does it really fit? Doesn't matter. Someone needs to know uh, a number. Arium is not disheveled uh, with her sleeves no. rolled up, looking hot on the bridge, crunching numbers for people. <laughs> that is the scene I was thinking of. Thank you. Yeah. The, 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 the time that they thought, what if we just take Bashir into this weird, like, hot human computer direction and then immediately decide, no, we can't do that. He's too powerful. <laughs> that's true. He's too powerful. <laughs> Can you imagine the like if they had stuck with that? What the fandom reaction of today would be to that in DS Nine would allow it twenty years before its time, obviously. Yes, but uh, just open shirt, hot computer Bashir. Uh, I don't know. I'm very very distracted at the idea of this <laughs> happening over the course of three seasons. Uh, anyway, um. So the actual episode, they did it. They ended uh, the cycle of, um, you know, mass uh, slaughter. What they actually did was start a new cycle of mass oh, slaughter. <laughs> true. Right. They did not drop the asteroid. The doctor looks at Sarah and goes, well, you know, you had, you had tentacles in your head. Now it looks like you're growing teeth. And I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be a good episode <laughs> of Star Trek. <laughs> Uh, I I really hated it. I re- so I like Saru, and now I do- they have killed him. He is just re- that character <laughs> no, no, is No, they done. almost killed him last episode, and they chose they not have. to do it. <laughs> they should have. Um, I cannot stand here and tell you that Saru's shooting needles out of his head, teeth like things that come out of his back of his skull at a monster fish man, oil man is not the greatest thing that's ever happened. It's amazing. The he only is... thing better than good Star Trek is exceptionally bad Star Trek. <laughs> so if you want to tell me that this is Discovery's masks, then yeah, sure. Uh, we'll uh, no, because masks is masks is more interesting in the ways it doesn't talk about stuff. This is just a really bad episode of Star Trek. That's true, but like, it's bad, and then it also ruins it because five episodes ago, yeah, Saru was a member of um, a race that was hunted. He was an asylum seeker. Uh, that had like risen up to like prove himself and overcome his like innate obstacles of just yeah. But then also he- someone someone did tell him, oh, you are the best of your race because you tried the hardest to make yourself exceptional. And that fucking sucked. <laughs> yes. But- now everyone's special. Everyone can run seventy miles an hour and shoot needles out of their skull. <laughs> They're the most terrifying race in Star Trek now. <laughs> I see why they were cold. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, like I mean, Saru already, like if you if you took away, there's literally an episode about if you take away his fear, the fact that he's like a seven foot tall gazelle man who can run seventy miles an hour and kick you with hoof feet is the most terrifying thing in the world. Now he can shoot needles. <laughs> Every one of them can also shoot needles on top of all of that. Yeah, so like it ends up completely erasing any semblance of anything, like even close to reality, with its portrayal of how like oppression on this society works and star trek is always you know leaned in this we just have to break the cycle direction you know it's written by liberals always yes. well, yeah like, always no, because the, the actual thematic content of this episode is it's wrong to oppress people because you're afraid they're going to be super predators because but what if they if are you actually do that, super eventually predators. they're going to become super predators and come back at you <laughs> 
This is you should let them become super predators because then they might prove to be better than that. Which is like not what? since Zootopia I, I, have we ever dealt with the racial narrative. Up. <laughs> Mega alarms going off in the background. Where, wherever. Uh, yep, it's Zootopia. It's fucking Zootopia. Yep. Let's uh, bow out though. The part where they're like, oh, we're going to side with the Kelpians. They've been oppressed. Now they are super predators. They're going to wipe out your species. But you're oily fishmen, and these are just our nice gazelle friends. Uh, so they're definitely the ones we're going to side with in this, like, mutually assured cycle of genocide <laughs> happening to these two <laughs> races. Because, like, they make it very clear that the Kelpians did a gen- like almost did a genocide beforehand. Yeah. Um, though, it's... I don't know if, like... Did it say when that happened? Was this like pre-civilization for both these people? No, it, 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 this is all within the last two thousand years. Okay, because I wasn't sure if it was like years. the Baul then got technology and then built the society that we see. Like there was no society; it was like everyone's in a state of nature. I mean, there wasn't. They did, they did get the technology as a means of defense. Like that was yes. where the technology came from. Mm-hmm. I assume they were just kind of you know skeleton fishmen before. Yeah. Um, but, I want to know how Skeleton Fishmen discovered warp and built Destiny drones. Right. Big question. Never even They have a lot them. of cool technology for oily fishmen. Who seemingly can't interact with any of it. Yeah. <laughs> because he sure just lives in a puddle inside the transporter room. And he's got a force field to stop him like, having, you know, neck... Uh, neck like, every time showing. he has to touch a computer, he's going to drip all over it. <laughs> you would assume they would have built things that, you know, interface yeah. properly with their... Like design, but no, it's the just Zindi the Aquatics, room. the dolphins on the Enterprise, like this aquatic species live. can go into space. <laughs> yeah, no, the Zindi are back. <laughs> if if the thing that came out of the transporter room was a Zindi Aquatic, I would not be here. I'd be running in the streets <laughs> having a party. <laughs> uh, if they ever bring back anything related to the Zindi, I we will both be doing that, right? Like, there's no yeah. way. <laughs> It's the fucking Zindi Aquatics, they're back. <laughs> you thought last week we were gonna like, oh, it's all done now. No, now it's time to talk about the Zindi Aquatics. <laughs> uh, but it's just like it's patently on its face ludicrous the thematic assumptions this episode makes. And I like like I say, Star Trek is not like necessarily good uh with any kind of regular track record about how it handles this stuff. It's you know, it is written by liberals, always will be. Um and Sometimes it's like sometimes you get DS9 and they'll do interesting things with this and they will like stay on a planet and give them the culture and uh like actual consequences and like analyze it in a good way. Uh and sometimes they do this. Like And sometimes this... a Pike goes, Well, I guess Saru's sister will have to use her better sense and compassion to not genocide the fishmen. <laughs> yes. And everyone goes, That sounds great to me, play the music. Yeah. <laughs> uh I recognize this is a bad episode of Star Trek. I was howling with laughter <laughs> through a large portions of it. If you could detach, because I mean, like, yeah, you're right. Because this could be any episode from season three of Enterprise, right? This could just be. Yes, uh, turn I, on the like, effects, I, but... I would also point to season seven of TNG where they just stop knowing what to do with any of these characters. But if you want to make that comparison. I, I guess I mean you know this the there's the episode we're gonna watch whenever we read the that book right that's also very like ah yeah. uh, mm, mm, fingers in the air guys 
Yes. Uh, the thing with that one is that it points to like real things in the world. Yes. It says, look at the way that this impression stretches forward. This is oily fishmen and gazelles that shoot needles out of their head. But it's, but yes, like it is not as bad as the one that is like actually trying to do something yes. with native cultures. Like that's fucking and, and terrible. And while the thematic content of this episode is bad when you look at it for a second, thinking that people like adults who are paid a lot of money to create these metaphors looked at this one and said, yep, this looks good is hilarious to me right because it doesn't have that direct connection that makes um jenny's end is it yes so embarrassing but it does like strips of all like anything to do with like actual context and just invents zero-sum game genocide yes but the zero-sum game is sorrow shoots needles out of his skull (laughs) i can't get over this fact the next time he argues with pike this is how pike ends up in the wheelchair he's shot full of needles one of the uh, fishmen was like, can I have uh, a clone Kaminar that's like a boy that I can raise? Because <laughs> <laughs> it just rises up out of the water and then he's like, Obi-Wan's covered in the water and he's deflecting the bolts from Slave One. <sighs> it looks like that. Yeah. Because in addition to all this, it also looks like the Star Wars prequels. And then the fucking Shadow Man old archer shows up in his Iron Man in his flight Iron suit. Man flight suit, yes. <laughs> so like i read in a discord someone going oh it's just gonna be really boring and be spock in a flight suit and i'm like do you have no vision do you have i no think i think now they have heart? made it to where they cannot actually tell you who it is in the suit they cannot it is impossible to give this an answer that is satisfying at all now that it's a person in a flying iron man wing suit that does like pulse beams and moves through time because i was like oh this is Remember with these first two episodes that were clearly dealing with like questions of faith, and I was like, oh, this is gonna definitely make sure Burnham like understands the universe in a different way. That has entirely been dropped. It's a man in a spacesuit. <laughs> I mean, Saru, in the being the best and brightest of the Federation, does stand on the bridge and go, Religion's a lie, my people are being oppressed by it. I must liberate them without their consent. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and then how to drain the dragon happens. And then he does that. They all literally like spasm and all their flanges fall out and get replaced with head teeth. And they're like, culture is over. And they stand on the beach and go, what do we do now? And she's like, now there will be a new balance, uh, which is us <laughs> hunting will... the fishmen to extinction, stealing uh, their ships, going to the galaxy, just shooting everyone with their needle, like their head needles. <laughs> they are just the Krogan, but like slender. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the new balance are going to look really weird on uh, the hoof feet. But I'd like to see. <laughs> oh, I really want to see Sarah in some sneakers. Holy shit! <laughs> yes. uh, and then Sarah ends up being like, "But you can return here anytime." As they fly off, like this is. Absolutely- I won't. I won't. I'm never coming back. This place is totally dead to culture. We're never talking about this again. <laughs> Every single, this is like the most the Discovery has ever been every TNG episode where they fix culture and just leave. The, the thing that I was thinking this morning, or I talked to you like at like three o'clock this morning a little yes. bit about some of this. And so the thing I was thinking as I was falling asleep was this episode is like mishandled legendarily. Yes. Uh, it's amazing. I love it. It's the best. I love bad Star Trek more than good Star Trek. This episode if the Orville did it, it would be a better episode. Can I just, like, give me a second? (laughs) 
because they would understand at least a little bit that you can't have the metaphor be now the oppressed are super predators and they're just going to have to be nice to the people that they used to eat. What are you basing this on? The Orville did Watch, that like watching like episode. six or seven episodes of the Orville. Yeah, but I need just, to, I need it's some just concrete. like the Orville is always about like the soft like TNG style liberalism like metaphors in a way that's yeah. not trying to push boundaries. This definitely people were like, oh, this is we're really tackling something here finally, and it was this. <laughs> <laughs> They're really tackling something here. Uh, genocide is just it's just about it doesn't it's just. If you look at it from they, the other side... They just would have taken out the part where Saru grew needle teeth out of his skull, and they would just, like, live in harmony, and there wouldn't be the thing about them actually being the super predators, and it would be a much better episode, because the but, minute you make that choice, everything goes to hell. So, wait, so the episode would just be, they stopped genociding and we're friends, and there was no reason for the genocide it in was, the first place? It was place? that, oh, the fear, the fear wasn't real, and then, like, the Federation okay. would be like, well, we're gonna step in and make sure you don't genocide these people anymore. And everyone would be like, I guess that's already bad. Yes, you're right. That's already very bad. Uh, and just the like, minute you go, no, actually, when they go through their second puberty, they grow head teeth and shoot needles. Uh, it changes a lot. <laughs> Do you want a lot uh, of questions are raised and never answered by the society that shoots needles out of their skull? <laughs> One of my questions: Is there anything that shoots out of a skull? I don't know if you've mentioned that. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't get over it. It's the, <laughs> it's it's maybe the most amazing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> he shoots needles out of his skull. She's she's like, I think you're growing teeth, and I was like, that's not where teeth go. You're a doctor. You should know this. Uh, do we ever get? I'm like, oh, I hope someday we get to see the teeth that grow in Saru's neck, and we do as they come out and shoot at a guy who blocks them with the force field. <laughs> 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 yep. It's it's great. I love it. It's terrible. It's a bad episode, but. It flies I completely I to... in the face of, like, all of the rest of this season stuff for Section 31 or so. Yes. <laughs> Last week, Cornwall walked out and was like, ah, nation building's never pretty. And you're like, ah, they know what they're doing. And then Kristen Byer left the room. <laughs> uh, yep, some people wrote an episode. Well, they're like, ah, oh, we need to really, like, put a lid on this Kelpie and stuff because we don't give a shit about it. There's other <laughs> stuff to do. Well, what if Saru's now super strong? He can just punch drones out of the air and he shoots needles out of his skull and everyone in the species can do it. But we're not going to talk to them anymore because they're still going to be like weird peaceful agrarians uh because you have to understand the oppressed only don't rise up against their oppressors and destroy them out of compassion i can't think of anything more star trek than this episode Uh, like you're not wrong but discovery has been better uh, discovery yes has been a better show up to this point this is absolutely the worst episode of discovery we have seen I liked it a lot. <laughs> I liked it better than last episode. Because this is... No, not last... Have... Was last episode the one? No, that no, was the episode before. T- t- you, went the, you mean two episodes ago. Yes. The one where Saru died. Fake yes. died. Saru fake died. I like that. Which is my least favorite episode of Discovery, but it's much better than this episode of Discovery, well, which yes. is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like... I think I, I said that episode, I'd rather Star Trek be bad than, like, just uninteresting, and boy, did I get my wish. <laughs> So it's so bad now. Oppression is fake, uh, but also real because it's based on real things that are true. If you can go a back bunny far enough, be a cop, Jackson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> can the wind be evil? <laughs> the wind can absolutely be evil. I've known the answer to that my entire life. The wind can absolutely be evil. Can the wind be evil? <laughs> 
<laughs> I hope Hadrian can just He'd be great on the Discovery <laughs> Oh yeah, Hadrian would be a captain In a heartbeat, are you kidding me? Someone would come up with the ethical question And he'll be like, yeah, sure, let me just ask God <laughs> Well, no I mean, Not anymore, you know. I mean I have not listened to season three <laughs> Of Friends of the Table That's what we're Season five Okay, look it's season three of, uh, um, you know, the world. Spring and Hyron is season Hiron. five of Friends of the Table. Why did I forget Hyron? I know sometimes I have the brain of an old person. I feel like your ability to remember names is just, like, <laughs> gone to shit lately. <laughs> it, to be fair, today is much better. Yesterday I forgot the name Laguna for about 15 minutes. <laughs> you just sat it, there was, it wasn't even funny. It was like, I'm just going to tell Jackson the name because I can't handle this. <laughs> it got to that point, And I was like, no, I didn't. Oh, it's looking right. How did I? Oh, God. Just broken brain. Uh, I think it sucks that Ash Tyler's in the Discovery uniform. I wish he was still in his black uniform. This is my other take as we wind this down. Yeah, he needs his leather jacket. Yeah. Uh, also, it just be part of it is the Dutch angles and the spinning camera or whatever. But the part where everyone in Discovery like stops to stare at whatever argument is happening all the time, and it just cuts to everyone being like concerned for their coworkers when Saru was yelling at Pike, is maybe secretly the funniest thing that Star Trek has ever decided to do. Because now. it will always cut to Bryce. Yes. <laughs> That's all he does is he looks concerned as there's a heated discussion on the bridge. Like, Detmer looks at Osei-kun, but not at what's happening. Like, should I turn around? Everyone will know if I turn around because I stand, I'm at the front here. Uh, and then Bryce is like, oh, what's happening? And then Ash Tyler, like, stops leaning on a console to stand up and look vaguely concerned for a second. <laughs> because he doesn't have a job. He's just in the background. Before I realized that this episode was going to be Dutch Angle spinning Nightmare, like, all the time. Yes. Uh, the first scene that it does that, and I didn't, I didn't know it was just going to be the episode. So the, I really took notice of it in the first scene, which is them standing in the meeting room as they have the very normal Star Trek discussion, you know, of, well, the signals are this, it could be this, it could be this, and they're all talking around it, explaining their points of view. But the camera's just going 360 around all of them in opposite directions. Yes. <laughs> and it cuts between them constantly. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, what is happening? Put the camera down, someone, please. Yep. The uh, show does well not look like this normally. <laughs> Yes, my only other comment is I appreciate uh, Burnham's, like, beam down away team gear when she takes off the bathrobe. Yes. Or just the white shirt and, like, the kind of khaki pants or whatever. It's good. It's good. I think that's all I've got. I, look, this episode sucks, but I loved it. <laughs> I'm the person. Yeah. You do, You are the person. I mean, I, I just, you know, I really liked Saru. I liked him as a... I don't care if he becomes captain now. Who gives a shit? Who gives a <laughs> well, shit? Yeah, no, I had the thought this episode, I'm like, wow, if they're going to have a Starfleet captain that can shoot needles from his head. <laughs> <laughs> you, Star you Trek's going places. But now he's just fearless, he can shoot needles from his head, he's a big terrifying, I don't know, it's... <sighs> what if this sorrow beamed aboard the ship in fear itself, and this is what was happening? <laughs> the fear was actually the fear of all the alphas and betas who were on the ship with him. <laughs> Uh, well, they can't compete with the true alpha who can shoot needles from his neck. <laughs> and run 70 miles an hour and has no fear and is super strong. Uh, he's just terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no one bring up the time this happened a year ago and he was in the hospital because of how fucked up it was that he forgot fear for a minute. Yep. He kicked that Burnham. Was, that was already an episode that I was like, this leans a little too much on like his inherent predator, like his inherent terrifying natural state. Um, yes. Because I was already like, mm, questionable things here. Little did I know. <laughs> yeah. Like, I do I do like the idea that, like, 
the book has like the book that we read and some of the earlier like season one stuff depicted that Saru is off make often makes reckless choices based out of his fear. And I like the implication that without his fear, he would still make reckless choices out of a different thing. And the thing was that his fear would never defined him. That was not the thing, even yes. though he thought it was. That is what but I instead, was instead, absolutely his his lack of fear defines him in this new stupid direction. <laughs> And yeah, instead of it is the where, where he stands in a busy red alert hallway and looks to camera like a villain and goes, "I have a plan now." But then they do the because fir- he's been walking like this the whole time. Yes, his um, like like his fake flossing in space. Yes, but this is the first time they really like because it's dramatic and there's like the whole ship is flashing, everyone's running about, it's red alert, and he looks like a villain to camera and then floss, floss, floss. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! I think I think we're done. I think we've exhausted this episode. <laughs> Podcast is done. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, um, we'll be back next week with what's the? I'll look it up. I'll look Star it up. Trek Discovery. Uh, we have the names of the episodes. They put out <laughs> the names of these episodes. This episode will be called Light and Shadows, and we'll be covering it next week. So until then, we will see you out there. <laughs>